Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. The Barbecue Central Show is supported in part by these great sponsors. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices and barbecue pits. Their website is thebbqguru.com. Also, Butcher Barbecue, maker of injections, rubs, and sauces. Their website is butcherbbq.com. And by Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop online shop for anything in the barbecue and grilling industry to include world championship winning rubs. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. And by Cookshack, maker of pellet and electric cookers. You can visit them at cookshack.com. Also, Chops Power Injector System. Three different size injectors to choose from. Find out more at barbecuekansascity.com, and that's barbecue, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and versatile cookers out there on the market. Visit them at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Smithfield, the biggest name in pork, bringing you great opportunities this barbecue season. Get Smokin' with Smithfield and their grant program and committed cooks program. Learn more at smokinwithsmithfield.com. And by Green Mountain Grills, some of the finest pellet cookers on the market. Their website, greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookin' Pellets, manufacturer of wood pellets to fire wood pellet cookers. Their website is cookinpellets.com. You can also purchase on Amazon.com as well. We'll do it live. Okay. Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We are broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday jam-packed show as we have for you each and every week. However, should you see fit to jump in the fun and frivolity that is the Barbecue Central show here this evening, this is the two ways you can do it. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter coming up in about 13 minutes from now or so. It is the first Tuesday of a brand new month. Folks, can you believe, you know, when I say that 2017 is rapidly coming to a close, and I know some people laugh at me when I say that in February and March and April. But we are now in August, August 1st, right today, the very first Tuesday of the month, we'll find 
the very first Tuesday of the month regular scheduled guest. He is a doctor of barbecue from a barbecue mecca nonetheless this evening. Ray Lampy joins us for the Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. Looking forward to that as always. And then at 9.35, he was on a month and a half, maybe two months ago. We talked a lot about the Fervor brand grill that was on the market tonight. We talk about the Fornetto charcoal oven. Rick Baker from Alfresco Homes joins us. And then we'll move to the second hour. And boy, do we have potential controversy brewing at 1014. And I say that with peace and love, of course. If you know anything about offset stick burner pits, There's a few name brands that just jump right to your mind, especially if you are a fan of this industry. I think first and foremost is close or 1A. 1B or 2, depending on what your mentality is, has to be my guest at 1014, the owner of Gator Pit, Rich Robin joins us. Now you might be asking yourself, What's with the controversy talk here? Stick burners aren't controversial. They've been around forever. Some would continue to contend. Let me try that again. Some would contend those are your old school cookers, aside from the big brick pits that you would see in restaurants and other type places. But, of course, the stick burning offset is widely considered to be one of those traditional cookers that has been long steeped in the tradition and lore of barbecue. But Rich has thrown caution to the wind. We'll get into it, obviously, a lot more in detail at the 1014 hour. But Gator Pit is introducing a pellet cooker to the industry. Uh That's right, I said it. Gator Pit is introducing a pellet gator, a pellet-eating gator to the market. What's it look like? What's it made out of? Are they reselling? Are they manufacturing themselves? If you have not been getting around the social media or you don't visit barbecue pit manufacturer websites frequently, maybe you don't know the answers to those questions, so we'll get them answered by the one and only Rich Robin. always love talking with Rich and when he's on the show. And then at 1035, it was going to be an open segment, and then... Of course, all of the news media outlets had this posted. People were sending it to me via text message, via email, on my social media pages, uh, Barbecue Central Show, namely, saying, hey, did you see the story about the guy out in Albuquerque who had his cooker ripped from him? Oh, by the way, it was loaded down with briskets, and it's just gone. And I'm sitting here at like 6 o'clock this evening, prepping as always. I'm like, hey, what are the chances if I call this guy, I'm going to get through, be able to talk to who I need to talk to, to put a very last-minute 1035 segment together to talk about what the hell happened over in New Mexico? Well, I dial up the phone number, and wouldn't you know, I get the owner of Pepper's Barbecue and Soul Food, we call him Pepper Morgan, joins me at 1035 to talk about the abduction of his... 1,700-pound cooker, not to mention 
was filled with 10-plus briskets, or whatever he said when I was talking to him. I just dialed right up, got him right on the horn. It was great. Had to do maybe a little convincing, not much. But when somebody calls up and says, hey, I have an internet show and I want to talk to you, you know, people are very leery. I get it. I would probably tell me no if I called myself and was asking for an interview. But Pepper Morgan will be joining me. Again, his place of business is called Pepper's Barbecue and Soul Food out in Albuquerque. And he is the guy that had the cooker stolen over the weekend. So we'll recap some of that, see what he thinks might have happened, all that good stuff. All right, folks, the show is on. So make those Facebook posts and tweets and all that stuff. Uh, the BBQ Central Show, my main website. That's for audiooutdoorcookingchannel.com for the longtime video syndication partners video feed or right on my Barbecue Central Show Facebook page. That's where you can get it. Roku as well. Get to the App Store. Look for Outdoor Cooking Channel in your App Store. Download as necessary, and there you go. So here's the question that I have for you, Central Lights. Who has smoked oxtail? I've seen it time and time again. I almost mentioned it in 2017 trends and predictions as being an item that was really going to take off in the barbecue world. I understand, especially in... Is it uh, Jamaican cuisine or yeah, Jamaican, I guess? Um, that's not it. That's not what I'm thinking of. Maybe it is. I don't know. But a lot of people have had it in that braised way, but I don't know how many people have had it as it relates to sticking it, prepping it like beef, which I did, adding some cash cow from Big Papa Smokers and a little bit of Poncho and lefty steak seasoning rub, and then boom, into the cooker it went. And they were, you know, kind of a, I don't even know what size that is, like normal coffee can in width. So they were cooked about 275. I had them on there for maybe three or four hours until the color got really good. Then I plopped them in an aluminum pan covered with foil and let them tenderize that way just a little bit. And then I then they were done, and I tested them. They were going to be pull-apart, unctuous, crazy. I mean, there's a lot of fat around the oxtail, right? But I put them in the oven on warm, and while I was waiting for the ribs and some of this other stuff, and I've never had an issue of overcooking when I've put stuff in the oven on warm. However, the oxtails got a little too jerky on the outside, but the flavor was really good. Not beefy beef beef flavor, but there was definitely a beef component to it. The cash cow rub is really good. The poncho and lefty rub added a nice little flavor to it as well. So I was very happy with the end result. I also did two racks of ribs. I was cooking it on the Lang smoker, the Lang Patio 36. I got to tell you, right now on St. Louis style ribs, my ribs are on. I could hit the competition circuit right now and probably do decently I'm cooking them well. The tenderness is there. Flavor profile-wise, for me, it's always Honey Rub and Sweet Money Rub, Butcher Barbecue and Big Papa Smokers. That seems to win in my house. I don't know if I would use that if I got out on the competition trail. Of course, you know me. I'm not going out on the competition trail. But I'm just telling you from a bite and a tenderness category, I 
The words of Darren Worth ring in my ears every time I get into the low and slow cooking, which is, of course, don't be so concerned about flavor profile. It's a tenderness game. If you can't cook it perfectly each and every time, it doesn't matter what kind of flavor that you have on it. Screw it. Got to cook it tender first. All right, Ray Lampy coming up out of the break. Let me talk to you quickly about the CHOPS Power Injector System. This is the NBBQA, or National Barbecue and Grilling Association's 2015, 16, and 17 Team of the Year. (laughs) Product of the Year, Tool of the Year. They come in three awesome sizes to fit your injecting needs. From backyard cooks to caterers and restaurant chefs, there is a power injector that's just right for you. The number one seller is the half-gallon chops power injector system, designed for the competition folks, of course, or the backyard people like me or you. Easy to use. Clean it, fill it, pump it, and away you go. If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It uses it all. It comes with a whole bunch of stuff. Okay? Love it. 100 bucks plus you pay shipping on top of that. The one-gallon chops power injector system is designed for catering and bigger jobs. Some use it in competitions like the Memphis and May Whole Hog, or maybe you're doing 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. This one also comes with a host of cool accoutrements. It's 120 bucks plus you pay the shipping. The newest one, of course, is the CHOPS Full Power Injector System. It's electric. It's the commercial and competition Big Daddy. It's not a holding tank, but a three and a half foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container from a few ounces to a 55 gallon drum. It was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. He has said time and time again that with the CHOPS Full Power Injector System, His briskets are better than ever. This one comes with a whole bunch of stuff as well, like the other two. It's $325, plus you pay shipping on top of that. A number of the top pitmasters in the world are using the CHOPS power injector system every day to make their barbecue better than the rest. Here's the deal. We live in a foodie world that now requires flavor in every bite. This is how you do it. Do it fast. Every injector hand-assembled right there in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. It's not just for meat either. Attention, alcoholics. If you want alcohol-infused watermelon, CPI system, absolutely fabulous for that as well. They got a whole bunch of extra accessories, special needles, tips for those needles. They have a great upgrade you can buy to make your chops injector bulletproof. How about metal needle adapters? That's right. Visit BarbecueKansasCity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. BarbecueKansasCity.com to get yours today. The CHOPS Power Injector Systems. Give your barbecue some power. Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy coming up out of the break. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Hey, welcome back. This summer, Smithfield wants to give you the opportunity 
to win $5,000 by doing what you do best, grilling. Just grill, share, and score. Find out how easy it is by visiting Smithfield Get Grilling. That's smithfieldgetgrilling.com. $5,000. I need $5,000. I grill. I can share. I love to score. I'm going to visit Get Grilling, uh, Smithfield Get Grilling as well. All right, stand by for this. If you got questions about barbecue or grilling, maybe as a hobby or even a business, looking to get an expert's point of view, why not ask Dr. Barbecue? You can submit your questions by clicking on the Ask Dr. Barbecue tab on the website. The doctor is in. Here's Ray Lampy with his nurse, Greg Rempe. Dr. Barbecue. That's right. Ray Lampy joining us here on the show as he does the first Tuesday of every month. Joining us from Kansas City. Ray, how are you, man? I'm good, Greg. How about yourself? Absolutely fabulous. Always appreciate you making time for this show, Ray. Can you believe that we are in August? This is what old people talk about, but uh, August 1st is today. You're the first Tuesday of the month guest always. This year rapidly coming to a close like all the other ones, right? Oh, man, I got a whole lot more to do before this year's over. Heck no, we're only in the middle. Ray, you're in Kansas City. It is widely considered to be what some would call a barbecue mecca. You have Kansas City. You have Texas, of course, which is just ablaze with popularity right now. Then you have the Carolinas, Memphis, obviously. Would you dare rate a barbecue mecca as Kansas City compared to all the other ones, or are they all just really good? Well, yeah, I mean, they, they all have their, their distinct personality. Uh, but Texas has really taken it and run with it. Uh, you know, and we had the great old places there, but instead of just being on their laurels, places like Louis Mueller and Kreitz's and stuff, they're even getting better. And then you've got all those new places. I mean, you know, I wrote that book, Barbecue Road Trip, in like 2004 and went to Austin, and there just wasn't much there. There was there was Taylor, where Louis Mueller is. There was uh, Lockhart, not that far away. But in Austin, there was there was Stubbs. There was a place called Ironworks, and there was a place called uh, um, House Park. There was a small little place, and there really wasn't much else. I'm sure I missed a couple that were there, but all this fame and, and these famous Texas places are new. So I mean, there's this. There's this new wave. All the all the big deal stuff in Texas is new. Here in Kansas City, it's all the old reliables. There's a handful of new ones, but they're kind of doing the same thing. Um, boy, Texas has taken the lead as far as I'm concerned. Ray Lampy joining us here on the show for the Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. Are you for barbecue business in Kansas City, or are you just getting away for a little bit of R&R? <laughs> no, I don't go eat eat ten barbecue restaurants for R and R. So yeah, the, the great news is it is my job. But yeah, for most people that would be vacation. Uh, we are, you know, as you know, we're getting ready to open a restaurant. We're just yep. waiting on some permits, so it's dragging on a little bit longer than we wanted. But we've got, uh, you know, we we hired Lee 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 Jasper from was working at Kreitz Market in Bryant. He trained at the one in Lockhart, and he was working in Bryant. And he's come to Tampa to work with us now. And then we've got a new executive chef for the company, Mo, and he's not much of a barbecue guy. He's a good chef. So it was just a good excuse to come here and get them guys uh, a couple days of eating barbecue in these places that are different. You know, Lee's got great experience in Texas, but Kansas City's different. You know, he's kind of 
he's kind of amazed that they're taking the brisket here and slicing it on the slicing machine and serving it thinly sliced. And the point is not no longer hooked on to those slices of brisket because it's getting served as burnt ends. So it's really kind of different. So it, it's been a good learning experience. And again, it's just more excuses for us to come and do this. But the more we can educate our people, the more we're going to be prepared when we do open. Does he find that his Texas, I don't want to say bias or, or preference or experience is kind of overtaking him and he's like, why are they doing that? Or he can appreciate the differences and he's enjoying uh, maybe learning something new. Uh, no, I think he's still a little bit flabbergasted <laughs> by the whole situation. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he's embracing it quite yet. Uh, took him to Arthur Bryant's and they just were like, they didn't know what the heck that was all about. Because Bryant's is different. You know, I mean, it's a hundred-ish-year-old restaurant, but their sauce, that barbecue sauce is some crazy stuff. I like it. And you look around the restaurant, it's busy and there's people all eating it, but it's some crazy stuff. It's very different. And the the meat is sliced real thin, again, sliced on a slicing machine. It doesn't have a lot of bark on it. it it's it's not really seasoned much. So it's it's very different. Uh, so no, I don't. Th- I, it would be a stretch to say he's embracing it at this point. But but we're going to Q39 in a little while, so I got a feeling that might change him a little bit. Yeah, obviously, well known. We actually have a Facebook question that we're going to be talking about here in a second in regards to Q39 and something else. But before we get into that, uh, this past Sunday or two days ago, however you want to look at it, you were on QVC. Uh, I was slated. No, no, to- HSN. Oh, it was HSN. HSN. Sorry, HSN. You you have been on QBC though. So I mean, you're like making all of the rounds, right? Um, what was what was <laughs> happening with Home Shopping Network? Well, you know, it's 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 really cool because when we first started promoting the restaurant, the local food writer in Tampa, who's an old friend, wrote this nice article about me and how I had partnered with these other great Tampa people, and mm-hmm. we were going to do this restaurant. And so she she really asked me, like, what haven't you done? And I don't know if she said it or if I did, but but the Home Shopping Network is 10 minutes from my house. They have a, big, a really cool, big, tall building and a campus there. And, and, and she, you know, so that was in the article that I hadn't, the one thing I hadn't done locally was HSN, and it was right by my house. And mm-hmm. I thought I could do that. I always have thought I could do that. Well, the, the president of the company sent her an email the next day and said, connect me with that guy. So we've been working on it for probably a year. It took a while to get it worked out, but, um, little, they, they connected me with a vendor to create some products with my name on them. <laughs> uh, Lampalicious is the new product line name, um, specifically for HSN. So it's, it's a great opportunity for me and, and something really fun and cool and, you know, and frankly, I, I think I can do this. You know, if they give me a fair chance, I think I can do this. Lampalicious? <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to be honest. If I'm being honest, idea, Ray, and we, we have a lot of history together, I don't know if Lampalicious is probably a name you would have picked out. <laughs> yeah, you think you? you, you can I don't know. Tell. I'm throwing I'm throwing it out there, uh, caution to the wind. But I don't know. I don't see that rolling off your tongue for some reason. And now, uh, well, one of the things I have specifically done is learn from these people. You know, the, the Home Shopping Network is big business. Yeah, these people sure. are really good at it. They they know. You know, I mean, they're very very well schooled and smart at what who their customer is and how they do it. And so I've really kind of been along for the ride on this one. I, I, I've tried to learn more than, than putting in my two cents and 
if they thought Lamp Felicis was a good name, well, what the heck? It, it's, I mean, it's specifically for HSN. I guess you never know what the future holds, but at this point, it's specifically for HSN, and and I'm open to whatever they think. They've been really, really generous trying to walk me through all this to give me all the tools for success. Cause it's a different kind of thing. I've done a ton of TV, you know, but this is different. This is, this is real selling and the results are there on the screen and 30 seconds after you get done. So it's, it's, it's really unique. What do you like about the, the pitchman life and what did you realize after you were done the first time that maybe even though you were prepping like crazy that you didn't really anticipate that you had to, deal with maybe um i don't I, I really spent a lot of time trying to learn so i don't know that there were a lot of surprises um i you know the host you don't get a lot of interaction with the host till they show up mm-hmm. i guess over the course of time you would get to know them um but i you know i was i felt like i was pretty prepared for it uh one of the things they do you can't move too fast just the way they do it is if you're going to move a sandwich over here and open it up and, you know, let the cheese who's out of it like a home shopping network guy does, you need to kind of warn them. So you kind of mention how we're going to move this sandwich over here and show it to you now. And so, so just little camera trick uh, things that I'm not used to. Uh, that was kind of interesting. There's a lot of cameras. You got to, you want to try and find the one. It's not that easy to find the one that's lit up, but little TV stuff. But in general, I didn't. Uh, I, I thought I was full, pretty prepared. Last time I did it on QBC, and and I've seen friends of mine do this. It was. It can be intimidating because it's so different, yeah. and and it happens so fast that it's it can be intimidating. And it, it didn't happen to me this time. I was I was pretty much ready for it. And there's a lot of people watching. I don't think people have a real scope of, and I don't want to paint with the broad uh, sexist stroke here, but there's a lot of women and probably men that sit down and tune in to QBC and HSN for entertainment or to find the next cool thing or they're killing some time. It's got huge audience and they're doing probably billions of dollars worth of business each year. Yeah, it's big business. I mean, as you, I think everybody knows QBC, I think QBC bought HSN is the way it went. Um, and and it makes them. I think someone told me the other day the third largest retailer in the world. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know this this is big business. Yeah, absolutely. So you know the pressure is on. I mean, the, the, at the end of the day, the way you the way you would are judged by being good or bad at it is did you sell a lot of stuff? You know, I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. And it's all right uh, there. And, you know, keeping I mean, I, I, uh, it's, it's keeping like, tally as you're watching too. You can see them tick off one right after the other. Yeah, oh, you absolutely can. I mean, when you're in there, and I learned this when I went to QEC years ago, there's graphs, uh, screens with graphs everywhere, uh, and everybody's watching them. I mean, it's minute by minute, second by second. They'll talk in your ear and tell you, Ray, that was good. Do that again. Go back to that thing you did, whatever it may have been. Uh, I was squeezing when you smashed the burgers down and the cheese all oozes out. They told me, do that again. Um, so yeah, it's second by second. It, it's just different than anything else I've ever done. I mean, like you said, there's a big audience, but you know, I mean, I, probably the biggest audience thing I ever did was to talk and, uh, yeah. well, I guess some of the food network stuff, but I mean, you know, that's big audience stuff. So I'm not that intimidated by that kind of thing. You know, I, I matter of fact, the, the talk was probably more intimidating because there's a live audience and, you know, Hey, they're Sharon Osborne. How cool is that? Yeah. You know? 
Um, so I, I, it, it wasn't intimidating to me. I just wanted to do good at it. You know, I realized it's a great opportunity and I wanted to do good at it. So I think that was really the pressure for me. Ray Lampy joining us here on the show for the monthly Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. Uh, Ray, let's transition over to some of the Facebook questions here while we got about eight minutes left. And uh, the first one came in from Mike Chesser. And he said, if you could only eat one chicken for the rest of your life, I'm guessing brand, would it be Gus's or Hattie's? Yeah, that's Mick Chesser. Uh, actually, I've never had Hattie's. I just, I, I've just never gotten around to it. But I, it's pretty hard to beat Gus's, man. Gus's is, is really good. Yeah, I've been to the one in Memphis there, right by the park, a few times. But I was in Atlanta recently, and there's a bunch of franchise ones now. And there was one right across the street from my hotel. And I, so I was like, well, I didn't want to eat the, the whole bad hotel food. <laughs> so I went over there the first night, and I ate. And thinking, I don't know, how will the franchise be? Yeah. And it was outstanding. I actually went there. I was there like four or five days, and I ate there three times because wow. it was the, the easiest thing, and it was really good. So I'm a big fan of Gus's. Isn't Hattie's original location in Saratoga Springs, New York? No, I think it's uh, Nashville. I think Hattie B's is the uh, oh. hot chicken place. All right, there, who, what am I, I thinking? I assume that's of? what Mick's talking about. All right, yeah, but maybe there's. I know there's a fried chicken place in Saratoga Springs that everybody talks about that I thought was Hattie's, but I could be way off base. Um, let's talk about this particular item. How do you make burnt ends from pork belly? Here's a better question, well, Ray. Did you think in August of 2017 that the new rage in the barbecue world was going to be pork belly burnt ends? I mean, it's hot. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it makes us all look foolish. Um, I mean, what what is the next thing? A taco can be served on a hamburger bun, and we're just going to call it a hamburger taco? I mean, that's not a hamburger taco. That's a hamburger. The burnt ends are beef. They're, they should be cut from the point. This is... This is ridiculous. Anything cut into cubes is now called burnt ends. We should be embarrassed by that. It makes us all look stupid. Is burnt um, ends not a I, method I of cooking? Myself, what's that? Is burnt ends not more of a method of cooking versus the protein you're using? No, I don't think so. It's the combination. It's a it's a very specific thing. I was at Arthur Bryant's today where they were actually <laughs> the original burnt ends were the scraps that fell off the slicer but it evolved into point cubed up. And then the competition guys have really kind of taken it to a, a, I don't want to say another level because I'm not sure it was a good thing, but, but, you know, okay, that evolved in the competition world, but at least it still has that root in its part of the brisket. It's cooked in a barbecue pit. We put it back in to get crunchy, but it's brisket. It's not, I, I, it just makes no sense to me. Actually, the guy, I, I think it was Dr. Evil over in England was making cornbread burnt ends. <laughs> I mean, now I think he was doing it tongue in cheek. Yeah. But uh, a, a chef friend of mine said, "Aren't those actually croutons?" <laughs> so, and he's right. Um, so to me, I mean, a, a, I, I just, I just think it's ridiculous. And I think for any barbecue guy to be embracing that or promoting it is, it, to me, it's embarrassing. You know, I, part of. Part of barbecue is the we are the carriers of the tradition. We are we are the guys that you know. I always say about barbecue, it's so much more than food. It's about the culture and the history of it. And the the culture and the history of a burnt end is clear. It's clearly documented. And to just say anything cut in a square and cooked in a smoker 
is a burnt end. I think we, we look like fools. I think it's, it's, we're not even, you know, embracing our own history. I, I think it's ridiculous. Um, come on, have some creativity. Think of a really <laughs> cool name for the burnt end squares and run with it. Um, I, I just, I think it's ridiculous. Stephen Munster is asking a question, also giving his opinion. Great job on HSN, Ray Lampy. Very natural, like you've been doing it for years. Have you ever thought about applying for the next Food Network star? Thank you, Stephen. Maybe you haven't noticed, but I have been doing it for years. Um, I actually, the paperwork is really extensive to sign up for Food Network Star. And so one day I printed it off and it was like 18 pages and I just never bothered. But another year, I don't know if I did the paperwork or they called me, but I actually got pretty deep into the casting process with them. At one point I told them, I said, you realize I am going to be the old, this was a couple of years ago. I said, you know, I'm going to be the oldest guy that's ever been on Food Network Star. And they said, well, yeah, we're okay with that. But ultimately, they didn't cast me. But I got I got a little bit down the road. Um, hell, I'd do it again next year. You know, I mean, I, I I think it'd be fun to do. Although I'm not sure. I, you know, I've done so much on on the on the network and other places. I'm not sure they would ever really consider me. And frankly, I am old. You know, I think I still. I don't think I act like it. I don't think I, it would bother me any. But they have their demographics. They wanted me. In case you didn't notice, there seems to be <laughs> one of each on their cast every year. Uh, there's a guy named Chris Lilly who would love to know how Ray makes his famous garlic baked bean recipe. Is that something where we could suggest a book that Mr. Lilly go pick up and learn from, or do you guard that? No, Chris is, Chris is a really evil bastard. If you don't know Chris that well, everybody thinks he's this really nice guy. And, and he's, he's, so I'm in Seattle. This is years ago. Me and Chris are in Seattle doing some cooking for these, these people. And, we, we go on this radio show. It was NPR in Seattle. So imagine what this is like. The guy's talking like this, you oh, know, yeah. it's NPR. So, so right. the host of our host had made the food for us to take there that day. And she made these beans, and she put a ridiculous amount of uh, dehydrated garlic in there. Oh, no. So it was like, it looked like, looked like sesame seeds. But, like, I, I wouldn't put really any garlic in my baked beans, but she put, like, a ridiculous amount. I mean, it looked like, like, it looked crazy, and it smelled bad, and we never did eat any. So we take them to the station, and we're laughing about it. We go in the studio, and uh, Chris immediately credits me with those beans before anyone could eat them. <laughs> he says, yeah, we, by the way, Ray's got his famous garlic beans here for us today. So we've laughed about that for years, but I've never made them again. Frankly, I didn't make them that day either, but I owned them that day, but uh, but I've never made them again. So well, see, Chris is like that. you got to be careful with him. His follow-up question was, are you going to be serving them in your new restaurant? But I would have to imagine they'll probably make the cutting room floor instead of being on the menu. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I guess we could give them a try, but I'm thinking it probably we probably won't be getting those. I think... Uh, I think those are gone forever. So whoever had them that day, I hope you enjoyed them. But I don't think we're ever going to see those come back. Uh, Ray Lampy can be found here once a month, the first Tuesday of each month. And otherwise, you can find him at drbbq.com. As you had said, as far as the restaurant, you're still waiting for permits and stuff. But otherwise, uh, ready to rock and roll? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're just, you know, it's just how it is. It's, there's a lot going on in St. Pete, a lot of building going on. So there's like a line for to get the permits done. But we should be close. We've been we've been waiting patiently for a while. It should happen any day, and then it's going to be fast. Uh, we're excited about it. 
Ray, always appreciate the time, my friend. Thanks so much. Okay, Greg. Take care, man. You got it. There he is, Ray Lampy. Dr. Barbecue. All guests on the Barbecue Central Show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. Yeah. <laughs> man, just when I think Ray has backed off the I'm not ready to just blow with both barrels. We mentioned pork belly burn ends. Like, what? Remember when he had the take on competition chicken and he said the F word? That was the best. This ranks right up there, by the way. Hey, folks. Cook Shack manufactures smoke ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience. Whether you barbecue in the backyard, the competition circuit, in a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job and with a full line of barbecues, sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it is a perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. You can check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. They still have one of those. Cook Shack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, Ed Fast Eddie Moore. The FEC 100 and PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker or grill, low and slow or hot and fast. The pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Basically, anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698 or visit the website cookshack.com. The plan is me getting some eye of round meat in the next couple days and then Doing jerky on my brand new to me cook shack coming up this weekend. Very excited for that. All right, uh, when we come back, it's Rick Baker from Alfresco. Stick around, be right back. Ready to get on the air? Call 216-220-0966. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James of Barbecue Talk, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills. That's right. Manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. Something medium-sized. Got you covered there, too. How about something to take on tailgates, camping? They got the little ones. No problem. You can also supply yourself with pellets to fire those cookers right from Green Mountain Grills, too. Check them out. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. I love mine. You can love yours as well. Don't forget about the new pizza insert as well. I might be doing pizzas on Friday, too. Happy to have them as a sponsor of the show. All right, coming back to the Barbecue Central Show, Jungle is the sales and company brand manager for Alfresco Homes, which include Fernetto and Fervor. The website is alfrescohome.com. It's friend of the show, Rick Baker, joining me. Rick, how are you, buddy? 
Greg, how are you, man? Absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you making time for the show again. Uh, Rick, last time you uh, were on, we talked in depth about the fervor brand of uh, gas grills that you guys are uh, yeah. running out there. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, uh, we, and we might have talked about just kind of on the patio there, was uh, brand names and possibly bringing brand names together like under one umbrella. Is that something that's still moving forward or are you kind of keeping both oh, separate yeah. for now? Yeah, yeah. The um, Fernetto brand has been around for a long time. Matter of fact, Fernetto's been in, is in over 20 different countries. Um, we got hundreds of distributors and dealers all over the world in offices in eight, eight different countries. And it's fairly new to the uh, U.S., but uh, that little picture of me you have on your website, see the logo that says Master the Flame in yep. the background? Yep. That's going to be the the new uh, logo because Fernetto is is growing. It it started out as a, a little oven, uh, you know, charcoal or wood fired, and and now it's it's grown into built in appliances. Uh, the, the the line has grown. We just came back from um, well in March. We won the uh, the Vesta Award mm-hmm. at the Hearth Product Barbecue Association show in uh, Atlanta for the best new vertical water smoker in the country. And we were really proud of that. And that'll be hitting um, uh, the U.S. in January, February of next year, along with our new Unico Kamado-style cooker. So I'll, I'll, you'll be the first one to get the information on it when I have all the details, probably the next couple of weeks. Rick, we're talking tonight uh, specifically about the Fernetto oven. And for the folks that uh, are watching here, I'm going to be flashing some pictures while we're talking. But I guess talk to me a little bit about the genesis of the product, like how it was concepted, why it is like it is and all that stuff. And then we'll actually talk about use and uh, things to cook in it and all that stuff. Cool. Uh, Well, basically... um, uh, the company that makes this for us is an Australian company, uh, family-owned, been in the business a little over 50 years, and all they do is make barbecue equipment. In fact, they were like one of the first companies to introduce uh, gas barbecue grills and charcoal grills to Australia. So these guys are no strangers to making outdoor cooking equipment. But what the owner is, he, he likes to entertain family, friends. It's all about getting together and enjoying food with people and he realized when he was at barbecues or cookouts, everybody had a grill or a charcoal grill or a smoker outside, but nobody had an oven outside. And, you know, usually half the people were inside, you know, mingling around with their friends and the other half were outside. And he says, wouldn't it be great if we could take an oven and take it outdoors? And that way everybody can be outside. And once you get this thing going and, and you got it up, it's an oven just like you'd have an oven inside your home. But now you have an oven outside and everyone can be outside enjoying each other's companies and uh, cooking outside. So that's basically the gist of this uh, product and where it came to be. So that's that's what you got there. Yeah, that's the uh, the built-in unit and has an oven light and a warming drawer for dishes or food. That's a freestanding unit. Those are all the accessories and everything that come with it. And, uh, yeah, that's the Fernetto, what we call the Alto, which is uh, a mobile unit. It's got a self-storage uh, you know, you can put your your uh, wood chips or your your charcoal down on the bottom down there, and uh, and you know it's tight, neat, quick, easy, looks good, and makes great food. So, from a fuel standpoint, this is let's call it charcoal driven as far as the heat is concerned. 
Uh, charcoal or uh, or wood. It's, it's, I, I think, Greg, it's the only unit that uses charcoal or wood. And of course, we use our own brand of Fernetto charcoal, which um, is, uh, is basically a, a non-smoking wood, if you can think of it. It's so pure. There's no virgin. There's no fillers to it that it burns very, very clean and very, very hot. See, me personally, I like to use mine as an oven. Uh, my wife is not someone that likes a lot of smoky flavors too strong for her. Um, so I don't even use the smoking feature, which is really cool because you can, you can use this oven, uh, you know, like when you open, um, um, oh, like a kettle grill or a, uh, a Kamado style grill. As soon as you flip the lid, what happens? You get a rush of smoke that comes out. Well, in a Fernetto, if you don't want smoke, you don't have to have it because that fire chamber is in a separate chamber. It's not actually in the oven. So the smoke goes around the sides of the oven and out through the chimney. And if you want smoke, there's a little, uh, it's a little lever that opens and closes a, a damper inside the oven that'll let smoke in if you like smoky flavor. Or if you just want to make some bread or you want a nice pizza, uh, you know, you want to do a roast, you want to do lasagna, whatever you want to do, you can actually bake in this oven without having a, a real heavy smoky flavor. Now, for the folks that are watching, and the picture that's up right on the left-hand side, you can see something that's got a bunch of holes in it. That's like a smoker box. Because if you're using your brand of charcoal, even if you want some smoky flavor, as you had mentioned, it burns so clean, you're probably not going to get anything that's super noticeable. So you're going to want to load up that smoker drawer in order to, to put some of that smoke flavor you might be looking for. Exactly. Yeah, especially on a lower heat if you're cooking, you know, 125 to 175. Um, you know, the type of thing about everything that we do in this product, um, you know, I mean, you can buy mesquite chips and hickory and Jack Daniels and all the flavor. Everybody has those, but you know, does anybody have cognac or Moscatel or red wine chips? That's what makes this special. You know, you get a very sweet flavor from the smoking chips that Fernetto makes, but you can use any uh, smoking chip in there that you like, you know, some people, you know, a good hardwood, you know, like a pecan or an apple, um, kind of mild flares, uh, flavors. Sometimes I use cherry. Most of the time I'll just use uh, charcoal and maybe a couple lumps of uh, or chunks of wood, you know, if I want a little hotter hotter fire. So uh, every cook is different. Yeah, there's some ribs I, I made uh, a few weeks ago. I uh, put those right on the rack, hold them right out. That's my fr- front yard there. Neighbors come over and they see me cooking. They come out and bring their food over. Um, it's really easy to use too, Greg. I mean, I got it down where, um, uh, what I normally do is, uh, we, you know, we, our family, we go to church usually Sunday afternoon. We have a five o'clock mass. I get the oven started at four quarter to four. We go to church. I put the food in, I dial it in just about where I want it. I come back an hour later, the food is done and we eat. Don't never open the door. Perfect. Cause I got it down. So I know exactly how to use it. Rick, so, talk, yeah, those ribs look good. From a firing up standpoint, you don't got to get into the weeds, but how do you set it up? How do you get the fire going? And then when do you start to make adjustments? Because there's those three air spinners out there that let the uh, let the air onto the fire there uh, right below the cooking chamber. How do you set that all up to kind of get that initial ramp <laughs> up going? Sure. Um, what I like to do is uh, when you open up the fire chamber door, there's a... Uh, uh, an ash pan there and there's a fire grate and it's all one unit and the whole thing comes out of the oven. So what I like to do is I actually take it out. Uh, I build my charcoal right on the, um, 
on the grate right then and there. I put it all back into the oven, and uh, I pull out the ash pan, and I use those, um, oh, what do you call it? They're, uh, uh, you can use uh, a flame starter. Mm-hmm. I don't like to use anything with oil or, you know, you know, a lot of uh, chemicals in it. I like the pure-burning flame starters. And uh, I actually light it in the uh, ash pan, close, push the ash pan, of course, is underneath the grate, and open up those three knobs all the way, open up the stack damper, and uh, about 20 minutes later, I'm about, about 350. I cook everything between 300 and 325, basically, is what I cook at. I use it just like an oven at home. Same thing. You would never really take your oven over 600 degrees at home. Matter of fact, I think most ovens don't even go that high. But if you're, you know, if you're the kind of guy that likes to make a pizza in five minutes at 600 degrees, you can do that too. You know, one of the th- when I I'd actually met you at the HPB Expo in Atlanta, and the first thing from an aesthetic standpoint that I thought was, wow, this is a really cool high heat pizza oven. And the first thing you said was, that's what it looks like. That's a, not what we're talking about here. Is that like a common misconception when people are looking to buy, yeah. they think it's that, you know, the big wood burning thing yes. that you find in the pizza in the pizza places and so forth? Yes, it is. Cause see a real authentic pizza oven, the fire is actually in the oven itself. It's in the oven. You know, if you go into, uh, what is it, I think, like Carabas or, or a nice Italian restaurant where they have a wood-fired pizza oven, you know, they might be eight, 900 degrees, 700, 800, you know, degrees. And the fire is actually in the oven where the food is cooking. Our fire chamber, our heat source comes from a separate chamber down below. It's not in the oven. So that's what makes it unique. Uh, I think the look of it makes it look more of a maybe like a pizza oven mm-hmm. and by the way i mean there's nothing wrong with a wood-fired pizza uh you know a 500 degree i mean 10 12 minutes and you're and you're done and you can you know they can put a 17 inch pizza in there and once you get one started you can put another one in you know you got three racks in there that you can be making pizza all day long if you want from a safety standpoint rick can you build too big or too hot of a fire underneath where it's going to cause damage in the chamber itself that you're cooking it? Uh, uh, not usually. What I what I normally find is um, when I first got mine, until you use it a few times, I was actually putting too much fuel in it. And, um, you know, I was using big chunks of wood or maybe some split logs, and I was actually putting so much fuel in it that I wasn't getting enough air for combustion, and I never really got a hot fire. So very little fuel goes a long way and we'll get you to 350 375 maybe even 400 degrees just using charcoal and uh and i got it zoned in now where you know i mean you're not really cooking longer than an hour hour and a half like you normally would with your oven at home Mm -hmm. you know maybe two hours and that's that's how you look at this thing um why put all the fuel into it if you're not going to use it more than two or three hours it's not necessary. You just waste a waste of fuel. I only use about a pound and a half of charcoal every time I burn it, and I'll get about three and a half hour burn out of it. Wow, uh, Rick, from a price point on models and stuff, just from a high level, what are you looking at spending? Uh, the base unit, uh, you're about thirteen hundred bucks retail, and then the freestanding one with the um, uh, with the storage cabinet, built-in storage cabinet, oven light, and the um, Warming drill, that's about a $1,800 unit retail. But I'll be happy to say um, coming out in September of this year, uh, we're going to a different distribution model, which is going to lower these prices now. So because I'm going to strategically place the ovens around the country, Mm 
and freight is always an issue. And if I can get that price down, I mean, I'm looking at the Fernetto now to be at like 1199, 1299 versus a 14 to 1500. So uh, right now you're going to find it about 1400 bucks, and hopefully in a few months you'll be able to get it for around 1200. Alfrescohome.com is the website. Uh, we got the new products coming out at the beginning of the year, which I'll be anxious to talk about with you when they uh, roll out, Rick. But always appreciate the time Perfect. you give to the show, and I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Greg. Have a great night. You Thanks got it. Everybody. Rick Baker. Alfrescohome.com is All guests on the Barbecue website. Central Show appear That's via right. the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. And uh, as someone who has one in his backyard, and you probably don't, I have to agree. Plus, I mean, I have what they say in the uh, in Amazing Ribs uh, Pitmaster Club form, MCS Multiple Cooker Syndrome. So if I want something with a lot of smoke on it, I'm not going to use my pellet cookers, and I'm not going to use a grill with like a packet of wood chunks. I'm going to fire up my Lang and work it right so I can put a lot of smoke on. But as Rick said, if I want to just be cooking outdoors, no matter what, and I'm going to be using an oven instead of making the heat in the kitchen that a regular oven was, plus I have dual ovens in my house. So fire up both of them. Now you get twice the heat, take it outside, load it up with a pound, two pounds of charcoal. You're good for, you know, three hours or so. You can bake your casserole, your cookies, or whatever it is. It's not always about smoking, right? So, yeah. Check it out. It's alfrescahome.com. It's the Fornetto of Plus, aesthetically, they're very pleasing. Quite a conversation, Peach. All right, uh, Jason King can tune out uh, for the next two and a half minutes. Grilling season is officially open for business and the place to head for all your barbecue and grilling needs is Butcher Barbecue. Certainly, we know that Butcher's carries a great selection of barbecue products, but their portfolio of grilling items continues to expand as well. You've heard me talk about grilling oils. I believe these products will change the way you cook forever. Shelf-stable. They don't require any refrigeration like a lot of other butters do. You see, with grilling oils, all you need to do is leave them out by the stove or take them out to the grill. They're ready to use as needed. Need some butter kick? How about some chipotle kick or steakhouse flavor kick? They have all of those flavors for you to try. Here's how I use them. The flavors aren't aggressive, so you can build layers of flavor if you flip. Then, when I take the steak or the chicken or the burger off or whatever it is I'm doing, I put just a little thin layer over the top before they hit the table. Perfect. And because they're shelf-stable, they're never out of sight, out of mind with like a lot of other products that you might be using. Never resting. Dave always in the Flavor Lab coming up with new stuff. The newest item right now out there is the Grilling Addiction Seasoning available at ButcherBBQ.com. It's awesome. Lastly, dealers wanted, if you currently own a barbecue and grilling supply store and you don't carry Butcher's Barbecue lineup, what are you waiting for? Hit up ButcherBarbecue.com and request information on how to become a dealer for them. Not only will Dave thank you, but your customers will reap the rewards by getting these fine products in their hands for themselves to try. These products are extensively tested both in the backyard and on the competition circuit, so you know they're going to deliver the goods. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com right now and check out all the products. You'll be happy that you did. Butcher Barbecue. Always trust your butcher. All right, we're back to wrap the first hour. If you want to jump in, more than happy to have you. 
This is the Barbecue Central Show. Stick around. Be right back. advice on cooking brisket and ribs and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue it's the barbecue central show all right welcome back if you have a pellet cooker you gotta visit cookingpellets.com number one source for quality wood pellets of course not only can you buy them at cookingpellets.com, you can also buy at amazon.com. Come on. Everybody loves amazon.com. John Dawson weighing in on pork belly burn ends. Greg, pork belly burn ends is right up there with beef bacon. <laughs> so lame. Let me tell you something. I actually saw, uh, I believe it was Jess Pryles, make a video for beef bacon. It's probably not going to come as a surprise to you, but those animals that produce beef have bellies. Beef bellies? You can get beef belly, and then you cure it just like you would regular bacon, I guess. Slice it up, and away you go. Beef bacon. But you can't call it bacon, can you? Because bacon is pork. So what do you call it? Hence the argument that Ray Lampy made. Burnt ends, beef. Pork belly, but you can't say burnt ends because burnt ends is associated with beef. Just like when you say bacon, it's not beef, right? Kinger saying beef bacon sucks. Kinger must be nipping hard. He is hating everything tonight. <laughs> everything. <laughs> the Canadian is on fire into his sixth uh, Labatt Triple XL. I hate everything. I hate everything. I hate you. Beef bacon. Now, in full disclosure, while Jess was making it, it did look okay. I gotta tell you. When I think bacon, I think pork. When I say, hey, you say ha. Hey. Beef bacon ain't my thought process when I think bacon. Alfrescohome.com is the website that uh, people on email are asking me for to check it out. Rich Morris weighing in. Horse bacon. Uh Remember the good news that I passed along last week in regards to the Horse Meat 2017 update. Recently, there was a reversal of the horse meat banned for slaughter and consumption here in the States. So we are making progress, as it were. Well, I say we. I am. 
And everybody was tagging me all over social media like, Your voice is being heard. Rob Portman is carrying the torch. Rob Portman being very controversial as of late. Helping me get the horse movement underway. Voting against his own party and healthcare. Wow. Look at him changing up. Crazy. All right. Let me go refresh my water. And we will come back with the second hour. Great couple guests. As well as some other items. So check it out. If you're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks, let everybody know the show's on. Sign up the links, thebbqcentralshow.com for audio, outdoorcookingchannel.com slash watch dash now for video. Also, the Barbecue Central Show Facebook page for video. And if you have that Roku's or Internet Protocol television, go to the App Store, look for Outdoor Cooking Channel, download, and then you get access to... Not only the live stream, but all of the other archives of all of the show. All right. Stick around. We'll be right back. to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show Boing. we cook because we have to and we grill because we want to hit me fine how you doing <laughs> you have a great show i'm a big fan Boing. so what 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 seems to be the problem here this man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle charbono it's all about the charbono dude Succulent fish, what? He ate two feet before we nursed. Oh, listen, Laverne, it's a shit feast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome into the Barbecue Central Show. This is a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We do it right here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It's the barbecue capital of the North Coast. If you miss any portion of the show, please subscribe to the podcast. It can be found on all the podcast directories. That way... If you join in late, like maybe somebody's just tuning in now and you missed the whole first hour, well, oh, what are you going to do? Subscribe to the podcast. You get it whenever you want. Plus, if you really like a segment, you can go back and listen to it as many times as you'd like. Jesse Barfield, completely out of context for people that are listening on 
podcast later, but wow, what a pull. Jesse Barfield. That's the best. I remember Jesse Barfield played for the Yankees at some point, didn't he? Pretty sure. All right, still to come on the show, Rich Robin from Gator Pit. We'll be on in about 13 minutes. We're going to talk about what is a complete departure for Gator Pit, a pellet cooker. Then, Pepper Morgan will be talking about how some thief took his 1,700-pound cooker in the cover of darkness. Stole it. Oh, by the way, it was packed with briskets. Hey, the National Pro Barbecue Tour presented by Sam's Club rolled into Ankeny, Iowa this past weekend. It's a local event that sends the top six teams to the Richmond, Virginia Regional Final. That's coming up on August 26th, by the way. And those teams moving on are Grand Champion, Grills Gone Wild, Iowa. They are still around. They are still winning. Hmm. 282. 282. Oh. I'm debating whether or not I'm going to take this phone call. Am I going to take this phone call? I'm not going to take this phone call. Reserve Grand Champion. Crash Test Smokers. By the way, Grills Gone Iowa wins it with a 690.2 and Crash Test Smokers with a 689.6. So, uh, you know, what is that? Six... Six? Yeah. Six-tenths of a point. Third place, Porky Butts Barbecue. Fourth place, Rack Masters Barbecue. Fifth place, Cooking with Wood. Sixth place, T-Mac Smoking. Now, one and two were pretty close. Two and three were a couple points away. Three and four a couple points away. Fifth place, let me remind you. Fifth place, 681.6800. Sixth place, 681.6684. So less than two, oh, 200, two hundredths, is that right? Two hundredths of a point separated fifth and sixth place. Pardon my math. Sorry. Very close. So those six teams moving on to the regional final in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, The next National Pro Barbecue Tour takes place this coming weekend in South Windsor, Connecticut, up there in the New England area. So good luck to everybody competing. I don't see him in the chat room, but I'm wondering if Patrick Paquette is in here because I would imagine, since that's kind of local to him, he's probably going to be competing. So let me just throw it out there in assumptive that he is competing out there, and Patrick, good luck. We'll be looking for your top six finish in order to move on to your regional final as well. So, 
very few times have you heard me be the interviewee or a subject of an interview or a guest on somebody else's show or however you want to phrase it. It does happen very infrequently. So if you have any interest and if you follow me on social media, maybe you've already seen it, but if not, you want to check out something called The Rub Podcast. Here comes this call again. Uh, you know, I'm a sucker for a phone call. Why should I not answer? I mean, it's not like everybody's just dialing in and the lines are lit up and I have a lot of cool stuff to talk about and I don't need you. I mean, that is true, but it's a 216 area code. Oh, they just gave up. They knew I was coming and they gave up. All right, well, if that shows back up, I'm going to. I digress. There's something called the Rub Podcast. So if you like barbecue-related podcasts, this is nice. I spent some time with hosts Forrest Goodman, who is actually in the radio business. He's got a real good radio voice, ladies and gentlemen. And then you have the, I guess what I would term like the, the expert cook of the pair, Jimmy Shotwell. He also owns a restaurant or a, a barbecue supply store out there in Memphis. And I don't think it's any surprise that the overwhelming majority of barbecue shows, podcasts or otherwise, suck because this one is very well done. It's about 32 minutes in length if you subscribe and is kind of a quick-hitting magazine-style show versus what I do, which is a little bit more long-format stuff. I mean, typically you don't find podcasts that are two hours, but I don't consider this show a podcast. It's a live show that's recorded and then it's archived up into a podcast, but it's not a straight up podcast like the rub is. Plus, as I'd mentioned, they do it pre-recorded, so it always sounds really good. The finished product is tight. You can easily tell, as I just mentioned, that Forrest has been in the radio game for a while. He's got that voice. Anyway, check it out. I had a great time. Look forward to doing maybe some more segments with these guys down the road. One or both of them might make an appearance here on this show as well. A little synergy there. All right, here we go. Let's see what happens here. Let's see. By the way, Kinger, just you wait three minutes. I got one coming for you, and you know. Uh, you're on uh, the air. Hello? Yeah, who the hell is this? I'm sorry? Hello, Tyrone. I think we got a little bit of a problem, my dog. Hello. Well, your phone connection is horrible. Darth Vader calling. Darth, see, that's what happens. I know I shouldn't go to the phone. I know I shouldn't go home. Not go home, but I know I shouldn't go to the phone, and then I get a guy whose phone connection is like the worst. So weak. In this day and age, how can we not have phone lines that are able to connect and don't sound like we're right next to each other? Everything now communication-wise should be high-end fidelity. The fact that we still sound like we're on phones or we can't connect because you're using crappy internet protocol phone... I know that's what was happening with that guy. 
a two and six area code. He's a Cleveland guy. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I want to do that. So anyway, if you have any interest in hearing me uh, turned around as a guest, I talk about the Barbecue Hall of Fame. I mean, if you're a fan of this show, some of the stuff is not going to be new to you. We talk about the Barbecue Hall of Fame. We talk about how basically, through no fault of his own, other than saying that he would do it, Guy Fieri pulls at the very integrity of the Barbecue Hall of Fame. And that if I got in, you know, the first thing that I would say is, we got to get this guy out. Legitimately. But maybe that's part of the reason that I didn't get in. Well, he's calling back now, but I'm not going to it now. There's not enough time. All right, let's see what happens. Go ahead. You're on the air. Uh, hello? Hi. Who's this? Yeah, who the hell is this? Who's this? My name is Tyrone. I think we got a little bit of a problem here, my dog. Get that big stuff out of here. <laughs> oh, we got no problem. Tyrone. If that's your real name. All right, you looking to turn up the heat on your barbecue skills this summer? If so, you're going to need to get your hands on the most advanced ceramic cooker and high-end tech barbecue accessory to hit the market. Of course, I'm talking about the all-new Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition and the CyberQ Cloud Controller. Just recently launched by the Barbecue Guru, the Barbecue Guru, the world's first temperature-controlled ceramic cooker and grill built with the power draft system in mind. It's going to give you the easiest and most successful barbecue experience currently on the market. These must-have new products will make barbecuing easier than ever before and will be your new secret weapon for cooking delicious food every time. Ready to buy? Of course you are. Head on over to buy at thebarbecueguru.com. That's bbqguru.com. Grab them up while they last. They're going very quickly. If you have any questions about what to order, please call them, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. Or visit the website, bbqguru.com. If you have any questions about what to order, call them. Don't, Don't guess, please. Don't guess. By the way, if you have a monolith and the CyberQ cloud and you've messed around with it, shoot me an email and let me know what you think of it. I'm interested. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. Rich Robin coming up out of the break to talk about the new Gator Pit pellet cooker. What? Stick around. We'll be right back. The only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue Bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Right, welcome back. The Summer Smithfield has partnered with the Ultimate Names in Grilling to bring you amazing prizes. All you have to do is get grilling. Just grill, share, and score. As I had mentioned in the first hour, visit the website Smithfield Get Grilling. Smithfield Get Grilling. Yeah. Hit it up. 
All right, my first guest in the second hour has been selling one of the top offset and vault style smokers in the industry. Tonight, we talk about a new direction as some sanctioning bodies in Texas are talking about the potential of eliminating these kind of cookers from competition. He has decided to start making them. So let's see what got him into the pellet niche or niche, as it were. We race to the hotline. And welcome back, the owner of Gator Pit, Richie Robin, joining me here on the show. Rich, how are you, buddy? Hey, I'm doing good. Holy shit, Rich, let me call you right back. That's like the worst phone yeah, connection kinda, ever. Yeah, it's kind of kind of rough. Hold on. Woof. Woof. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. Sounded kind of rough. Dogs sound better than that. Oh. Is that a fax machine? Holy moly. Now I got to go to plan B. I think that was a fax machine. Got to find his number. Oh, quit hitting me up. By the way, a lot of emails asking about the Pork Star t-shirt. That's courtesy of Rub My Rack Barbecue. So thank you. All right, let's see here. Get my number straight. Uh, uh, feel like uh, in the pit barbecue. Is that what it's called? Whiskey Ben in the pit? That's what it feels like. It's like the worst. This is Rich. Hey, Rich, this is Greg. Hey, yes. Yeah. Hey, call my cell phone, man. I don't know what's up with your phone. Yeah, way better. Wow. That was a, did I hear a fax? Yeah, did I hear stop. a fax machine, Rich? No, there's no facts or nothing, man. It's these cordless cell phones I got. I don't know. They just had static. Wow. All right. Uh, so before we talk about the new pellet cooker, Rich, you know, you do a lot of competitive cooking, especially in the Texas region. And you've seen the changes over the years. And there's a movement or a re-movement afoot, which is actually looking to call the outlaw of pellet cookers out there in the IBCA uh, market, of course, which you're just now getting into. So from a competitor's yep. standpoint, what's your take on that particular motion or groundswell, and why do you feel it's being brought up again? Because it was done a little bit earlier or a little later last year. Well, you, you, there's been trends going with, with different types of cookers. You know, back in the Years back, it was offsets. Then it went to these cabinet insulated type cookers, and then the pellet cookers became uh, somewhat popular. And then you got the huge controversy with the pellet cookers being, you know, you have to hook them up and run electricity. And you had the guys saying, "Well, if if you know those guys can run electricity, why can't we use gas to start a fires and or or, or maintain fires, etc." And uh, kind of things have gone, uh, at least here in Houston or Texas area in the Gulf Coast area, kind of went back to, to the stick burners again. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that had to do with, with these, these barbecue shows going on. And, and now you see the trend uh, kind of combining the pellet cookers in with, with the offsets. And you know, the, the pellet cookers, uh, there's a lot of different manufacturers out there now. Of course, it's, it's just blossomed with how many people are making pellet cookers yeah. now. And yes, Gator Pit has, has gotten involved in it, but it's been by demand of our customers, and and we, I guess I, the best way I can put it, Greg, is we didn't invent the wheel. 
but we made a better wheel. And that's what I wanted to do with, with, with our pellet cooker. I never thought I would ever get into pellet cookers or designing a pellet cooker. And I've asked for probably 10 plus years if, you know, why we didn't do one and are we ever going to come out one? And my answer was always no. And I know a lot of guys that are listening to this podcast uh, or this live live show are saying, yeah, Rich told me that. And I've asked him and he said he wasn't going to do a pellet cooker. And, and back then I didn't want to, but, but I think now that, you know, times change and, and, and technology gets advanced and you, you, you've got to tap into it, to be quite honest. So what Gatorpit is doing is we still offer this big badass uh, offset, offset stick burners that are extremely fuel efficient, customized to, to a lot of what people want and, and, and require. But, I, you know, with customers saying, hey, I want a pellet cooker, I want a pellet cooker, but I want a Gatorpit quality. You know, they're so used to the thin-walled, yeah. uh, outsourced, uh, cookers that, that they just lack a lot of quality, man. That that, that people are looking for the, the diehards that are looking for really thick, heavy-duty, uh, custom cookers. And I think Gator Pit now has has put on on the market what people are wanting. They want that quality, and we got that quarter-inch thick cooker, that that pellet cooker. And uh, I don't know if I'm ranting or raving now, but that's kind of where we're at, and, and I'm finally there. We we we. We designed it and we tested it, and it, to me, it's flawless. And we're we're offering it in two models. We're offering it in a twenty by thirty six model, and we're going to offer it in a twenty four by thirty six model. Uh, so it's going to be a big twenty four inch diameter quarter inch thick cooker as well as a, a quarter inch by twenty by thirty six main chamber. And just so we can be on the level here, this is the same type of pipe and the same type of thickness that you would get in a traditional offset type of pit. Exactly. Exactly. So any and everyone that's familiar with Gator Pits, heavy-duty, commercial-thick, quarter-inch-thick wall pipe cookers and quarter-inch-thick plate cookers, you're getting that in a pellet cooker now. And to my knowledge, no one's offering that that I'm aware of. If they are, I haven't found them. The only, I've done research. The, the only and, thing and, that and, I've and, seen that is, I mean, it's not even in the same ballpark, but the there is a uh, ceramic style, like a big green egg style pellet cooker called the Black Olive. But other than that, I mean, I think you're right. There's a lot of things that, that look fairly similar, and I don't know anybody that is a well-known offset pit manufacturer such as you or Close or Pits and Spits that's doing anything like this. So you're kind of on that Correct. cutting edge, right? Yeah. I mean, to my knowledge, none of those guys that you mentioned are doing doing what I'm doing right now. Uh you know, and there's a lot of manufacturers that are well known here in the Houston area. I mean, Houston's known for for the, the you know the, the I, I don't know if you want to call them the five major manufacturers oh, yeah. of custom cookers, but but Houston is it. If you want a custom cooker, Houston is the place to go because the guys that are known in the industry are here, and you named a couple of them right there just now, and none of those guys that I'm aware of have what I have on the what I have mm-hmm. offered right now, and that is that quarter inch thick pellet cooker. Nobody does that. Nobody offers the dual stack, uh, and the reason I do the dual stack, and I'm saying that because I've had so many so many people on my social media ask me, why do you have a dual stack? Nobody has a dual stack on a pellet cooker. Yeah. And that's because pellet cookers are, are, are traditionally known to be more like a convection oven as far as a heat distribution in there, okay? But the problem with them is you still have a stack on one side, and even though you got all those heat shields and, and fire pot shields in there, you still have heat being pulled to one, into one direction. We, we took it a different step. And we added a second stack to it, and you can adjust those stacks. 
So now you can sit there and put oven, oven thermometers in there, and, and which I did in one of my videos on my YouTube channel, and, and people can go and look at that. And it, it shows that when you adjust these stacks just right and set the temperature to whatever temperature you want it to run, it will hold plus or minus 5 degrees of that set temperature that you put it at, whether it's 250, uh, 225, 275, 350. It holds it within 5 degrees of that, that set temperature. And with the oven thermometers in there, when I open the doors and showed it in my YouTube video, is it shows that the, the racks are reading the same temperature. I mean, they're right there, left and right. And that's a 20-inch that's a diameter by 3-foot long chamber. And that's something that you, you just don't really see a whole lot in, in, in even these color covers. And the difference is, is the quarter-inch thickness. That, that makes a huge difference in your heat retention. And, and then you combine that with the dual stacks and adjustable stacks, it now gives the cooker more control of how he wants that pellet cooker to run. Again, it's just making a better wheel. Rich Robin joining me here on the show, owner of Gator Pit, the website GatorPit.net. By the way, that cooker just recently listed on the website, so if you want to check it out here while we're talking, go ahead and knock yourself out. How long or how much research did you have to do in regards to finding hopper and auger system and control panel and all of this other stuff that you commonly find with pellet cookers, regardless of the brand? Well, it goes back to what I said earlier is nowadays you got, the pellet cookers are more advanced. So you've got more manufacturers out there making parts or assemblies for pellet cookers. And, And I'll tell you right now, we don't make the hopper and I don't make the PID controller and all that that goes with it. We purchased that, okay, from, from another manufacturer. The pit itself is completely made in-house at Gator Pit's facility in Houston. That quarter-inch thick barrel uh, pipe, that, that all, everything else is made just like all my other Gator Pit cookers are. We purchased this, the, the hopper assembly, and then we attach that to the side wall, and then we build the guts in there that go with the, the grease pans, the fire pot uh, uh, shields, all that goes in there. Now, all that's made by Gator Pit. So it, 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 if, if it wasn't for that, I probably would not have gotten into the pellet cookers. This makes it simple for me as a manufacturer to buy somebody who already makes a quality hopper and a quality PID. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about with the PID, it, it, it's the control that actually runs, runs the, the, the cooker. Uh, it's a proportional integral uh, uh, derivative that, that runs uh, – that, that basically, it's a looping system that, that, or device that runs uh, – you set it, and it will maintain within the setting that you put it within that five degrees. So basically, it kind of autocorrects itself. So when, it, when the temperature drops down, it goes back up to the temperature that you set it. When it gets a little hot, it cools off. That's what a PID controller does. And there's various manufacturers that make PID controllers. So if we were to make a hopper, I'd have to outsource it to make the hopper because I just I can't do that hopper, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But there's companies that can. They have the facilities to do that. So we take that hopper, we take that PID controller, and it comes as a, in a kit. And we purchase it, and, and we designed our cooker to fit that or that hopper to fit our cookers. And then everything from that hopper on down is all Gator Pit construction so that's where your that's where your difference comes in the difference comes in with the quality of the cooker because gator pit's now making the cooker again nobody else is making the cooker itself the smoke chamber the food chamber the food trays uh the stainless steel tables in the front the stacks nobody's making that other than gator pit 
in-house. So I control that production and I control house design and I control the materials that's used to make that. And that's where you, that's where we're setting the bar in, in the pellet cooking industry is nobody else does that. They, you know, because most of this stuff is machine sheet metal equipment, mass produced, stack them high, sell them cheap. And, and, and you probably know what I mean by that, by a lot of the pellet cookers that are out there, you can buy some really inexpensive pellet cookers. It doesn't make them bad, but know that when you get it, it's going to arrive at your door, both, and it's going to be in a box. You have to take it out of the box and you got to bolt it together. So you're going to spend hours going through uh, instructions on how to assemble this cooker when it arrives to you. And it's going to be real lightweight. I'm talking probably 13, no, not even 13, 14 gauge or thinner, the higher the gauge, the thinner the steel. All right. Our cookers are seven gauge. Nobody makes them out of seven gauge. That's, that, that's a quarter wall. Nobody does that. And, and our pits, our pellet cookers won't arrive in a box. We're going to ship them in a freight truck. They're going to arrive with a lift gate at your driveway. And then you're going to take it off the pallet and you can fire it, plug it in and fire it up immediately. There's no assembly. There's no bolting anything together. It's going to arrive at your house ready to go right then and there. And it's going to have a set of instructions for the hopper. It's going to have a set of instructions, instructions for the actual main chamber, the cooking chamber, on seasoning it, how to, how to adjust the settings and all that on it. So it's going to be a, an extremely easy pit pellet cooker for anybody when it arrives at your door to take it, put it in your patio, put it where the pool is, put it in whatever you want to put it, and, and plug it in, and then you, you fill the hopper up. And it holds 20 pounds of pellets. And the pellets, is, as most people know, looking at pellet cookers, you can buy all different flavors from onion to, to mesquite, oak, hickory, pecan, grapevine. There's all kinds of pellets that are out there on the market right now. Again, it goes back to to where the industry is and the manufacturers are that are now turning to, to pellet cookers. You have more product out there for these things. And there's also accessories that you can buy for them. You can buy, you can buy my Gator Pit pellet cooker and still buy aftermarket accessories for it. You don't have to necessarily buy everything from Gator Pit. You can buy the Gator Pit pellet cooker, the 2036 model, and then you can go online and you can you can purchase other aftermarket products. Just like you do for vehicles and trucks. When you buy a car or a truck, hey, I want to trick this thing out a little bit. You can trick my pellet cooker out even more if you went online and bought other products for it that are offered on the market for, for pellet cookers. So what we're doing is giving you a heavy-duty quality, all-steel, all-welded pellet cooker, and nobody has that out there right now. Rich, obviously on the stick burner side, not a lot of customer service that is required other than somebody calling up going, hey, I don't know how to start a fire, or I can't maintain a fire, or how do I damper down, blah, blah, blah. When you enter into the hopper world and the auger world and the computer interface world, a whole different set of stuff that you're not typically ready for. So if I get it, I plug it in, and now I have a computer problem, my auger isn't working, how are you set up to handle that kind of BS? Contact us direct. We'll find out what your problem is. We'll try to troubleshoot it as best we can, but your warranty is going to go back to the manufacturer of that PID controller, those electronics, and that hopper. So what kind of a relationship do you have with these guys, and, and what homework did you do? Because I'm sure people are going to be listening to this, and they're going, oh, great, they're going to just shuffle me off to somebody else, and what kind of service am I going to get from them? Because it's almost like you feel like you're getting two different uh, companies working together almost. All right. When I was researching these hoppers and these, these controllers, I had no idea who it was I was going to use. And there's a, there's a bunch of them out there. I called this one particular company and people can figure out who it is. I'll say who it is. It's smoke daddy and Pelopro Pelopro. I called them 
and I actually went online before I called him. I went online to get the, the phone number, and I actually called and asked for the owner of the company, who's by the name is Dennis. And guess what? I got Dennis on the phone, yeah. and that did it for me. That's like people calling my company and saying, "Hey, I want to speak to the owner of Gator Pit." Guess what? You're going to get me, and that to me meant a lot. So, I, I'm to me that gentleman, that guy, that business owner who I believe is in Illinois here in the USA is going to back up his product as well. And that, that's just, a, that's just how I feel about it. If you can talk to the guy that owns the company and you can deal with him and explain to whatever problems you're going to have or not going to have or have with his product, he's going to back it up. You have to, especially when you're a small business, you have to. From a price point, what are we looking at for a Gator pit pellet cooker? All right, the one that I have listed right now is called the Gator Pit 2036 Pellet Cooker, GP2036PC, with all the custom features that are listed on it that you see on my website and on my YouTube channels and my other social media sites is listed at $24.95. And I know some people may say, whoa, hang on, that's crazy. I can <laughs> buy a Traeger for $6.99. Go right. look at the Traeger. Sure can. Look what you get for $6.99. Yep. All right, I'm just saying. All right. You're talking about something that's custom-made, quality, handmade, fixed steel. Again, the, the, what, the feedback that I'm getting from people right now since, I, since I, I've advertised this or, or even began talking about it, I really haven't started advertising it yet. It just now went on my website about three hours ago. So we haven't even advertised this thing other than just me talking about it on, on Facebook and, and excuse me, YouTube and, and Instagram and other, other social media. They are talking about this actually is better quality than what the Yoders are. I think Yoder was the top guy sure. in the pellet cooker industry because of the construction. And I'm not knocking them, guys, so don't, don't, let's not have some Gator haters out there talking to me and hammering me on, on social media. Yoder makes a fine product, as do, as do everybody else. But when you're looking at a price comparison, when you start building up custom features of that other manufacturer, you're going to be in that 2,000-plus range on that cooker. I am comparably priced on what you're getting, and the difference is you're actually getting more cooker features and quality than you are at the other, other manufacturers' uh, uh, pellet cookers that are offered. It's obvious. Just, just, all you have to do is shop. Just compare apples to apples. How many? You'll see what you're getting to get your pit at that $24.95 is a pretty darn good deal. Do you have any on the books? Oh yeah, I've got I've, right now. I think we we listed it. At, uh, I, I said a couple hours ago on, on our website, yep. and we are at ten orders on it right now. Really? Maybe a little more, but I know we're, I know we're at least at ten. What, yes. kind of, what kind of lead time are we at? If I buy one today, when when is it coming oh, to my door? Man, oh man, <laughs> that's a tough question. You had to answer, You had to ask me that. Yeah, question. hell yeah. Um, all right, what we're doing with the pellet cookers, and, and I'm, actually I'm glad you asked that. We're standardizing the pellet cookers as best we can. So here, here's what's going to happen. We're going to designate an area of the shop to build just the pellet cookers, wow. not the customs. Because I don't think the pellet cooker is custom, but it's custom that you see what you see is what you get. Yeah. As opposed to my offsets, as you well have known, you know, you, you can, we custom design cookers for crazy cookers. I mean, you can go anywhere from, from $1,200 to $82,000 right. on custom cookers. So what we're trying to do with the pellet cookers is we want to standardize them. We're going to offer them two models. 
So if you, you know, when you order the standard model, your lead time is going to be probably within a few months. All right. If you customize that pellet cooker, and again, we're going to limit it to the customization that you can do to it. Then you're going to fall into my normal lead time with the offsets and, and the more, more radical customs. And that's, that's a, that's quite a lead time, by the way, I have a, I have a very huge waiting list for my products. Um, and anybody that researches me, will, will, it's real obvious when you start Googling rich and, 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 and gator pit, you'll see and, and look at all the different forms. You'll see what our lead time is. Um, but my, my plan or goal with, with these pellet cookers is to what you see is what you're going to get. And, and, and because of that, you're going to get that faster because we're designating an area of the shop that is going to build just these. And with the number of orders that we've already taken just, just in the past two days, to be quite honest, I'm going to have to do that to turn these out because I, I think the market right now is, is there's so much in demand right now that I'm going to have to hire and, 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 and designate a section of the shop to meet the demand for these get a bit public coders. It's it's crazy right now. They're like hotcakes. Check it out at GatorPit.net if you like it. Hop in so you can lessen the wait time. It's Rich Robin, owner of Gator Pit, talking about the new Gator Pit pellet cooker. Yeah, I said it out loud, the Gator Pit pellet cooker. Rich, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Hey, you got it. Thank you very much. Always enjoy the show. You got it. There he is, Rich Robin. Gator Pit. Wow. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud, the Gator Pit pellet cooker. Wow. Yeah, twenty five hundred bucks. Is that what he said? Yeah. Like, what's the most expensive Mac grill? I mean, it's was it fifteen hundred bucks, eighteen hundred bucks? All right, folks. Let me talk to you quickly about the pit barrel cooker. This one is definitely not twenty five hundred bucks, by the way, but not the same thing. Pulling the trigger on a new cooker can be nerve wracking sometimes. Temperature control, fire management, what woods to buy. Who needs the hassle? I suggest a pit barrel cooker. I got one in my backyard. Pit barrel makes cooking simple and fun. Might be the most unique and versatile cooker on the market today. Imagine a single cooker that turns out they're great traditional barbecue meats, but can also do the burgers, chicken wings, and hot dogs. Versatility, all thanks to the revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection. Their hook and hang method places food right in the center of the heat, so it's acting like a stationary rotisserie. Perfect results each and every time. It's also built to withstand all types of weather thanks to its porcelain enamel finish. Fits in the most, fits in the back of most trucks, vans, and SUVs. Ready to go wherever you are. Of course, it's got all of the accessories that you want. It's got a custom charcoal chimney, removable ash pans, rubs, rub shakers, pit grips, turkey hangers, you name it, they got it. Really completes the pit barrel cooking experience. Here's the best part. For $299, the pit barrel comes fully assembled, ready to cook on, ships right to your door for free. In fact, all the products that Pit Barrel Cooker sells ships for free to lower 48. Don't take my word for it. AmazingRibs.com drools over it four years in a row. They've given it their gold division rating. That's the highest rank, by the way. Head on over to PitBarrelCooker.com. See what everybody's talking about. Give them a call at 502-228-228. One, two, two, two. Yes, they talk to you. Real live humans. Pitbarrelcooker.com. All right. Pepper Morgan talking about the theft of his cooker coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back.
continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. Thanks again to Rich Robin for talking about the new pellet cooker. Uh, when you load up a 1,700-pound cooker with briskets to do the overnight cook in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you probably aren't too worried that the whole deal is going to get ripped under the cover of darkness. However, it's exactly what happened to my next guest here to break it down for us, the owner of Pepper's Barbecue and Soul Food, Pepper Morgan, joining me here on the show. Pepper, how are you, buddy? Hey, I'm all right, bud. What's going on? I got to ask you, uh, before we get into the hijinks and shenanigans that you had to go through over the weekend, uh, talk to me about the name Pepper. Where does that come from? Uh, Pepper comes from a long line of uh, dark-complected men that (laughs) come in my family. My grandpa named me Pepper. Uh, from the time I was born, of course, my mother said, hell no, but, uh, it kind of stuck and it came over, uh, in college around my fraternity brothers and we just stuck with me all this time, man. And so I'm still pepper 51 years later. (laughs) Pepper, the story is being run, of course, on all social media outlets, uh, regular media outlets, you name it. Barbecue folks are taking particular exception to the ne'er-do-wells, nay, the malfeasance that housed your cooker and briskets, by the way. So give us the latest. Has the cooker been recovered yet? The, the barbecue pit has not been recovered. Oh, no. You know, we're living in a day and time uh, where uh, drugs and alcohol are all-time high. Uh, the, the, the addiction of meth and, and uh, heroin. Yeah is that an all-time epidemic, especially in this part of the country. And I can tell you right now, uh, it sounds like uh, from all from all angles that I'm looking at, it sounds like it might have been something in-house. But uh, um, I, there again, if I knew, I, I, I'd have the answer. But I don't know right now. And, and we've got the police looking for it. We've got everybody on social media. And the killing part about it is, is that whoever has it, by God, I tell you, even if they never click on a damn mouse to go into Facebook, huh. they know it's stolen. So, I, I, so I would have to imagine, you know, a seventeen hundred pound cooker—that's a big piece of equipment there. So it's got to be in some type of a garage or a barn or under the cover where it's just not out in the open. And now, as you said, that it's mean, all over the place. <laughs> it's going to be staged shack up for a good while, I would imagine, before it hits Craigslist or eBay. Yeah, I imagine that too, but I don't think the people who stole it was that smart. Just like I don't think that, <laughs> you know, I don't think, I don't give thieves that much credit as far as being intelligent. Um, um, it's going to pop up. I know it is. I know that my barbecue pit is not the only one that has been stolen in the world. 
And uh, I know that even in this city, it's not the only barbecue pit that's been stolen. Um, I know if they try to take it across the scale at the junkyard, it's going to ring an alarm. And uh, as I said, they are they're going to have to let it sit up for a minute. They know they can't, with all the social media and the police activity, they can't even go across county, state, county line from one county to the next without it being noticed. So um, I don't know. So let's yeah. roll back to this past weekend, Pepper. And because this happened, I think you said it was Saturday night going into Sunday, correct? Yes. So what's the normal cook process for you? And I assume, you know, it's normal practice for you to load up the cooker with briskets and butts and stuff, kind of do that overnight thing. Uh, standard operating procedure as you were getting ready for that Saturday night into Sunday cook? Standard operating procedure and what I've been trying to do for the last six months is get ready for more uh, influx of business. Going into the football season, mm. my barbecue pit, my, my one-ton unit, Southern Pride 1000 Series, was already packed down with meat. So I turned my camera on the thermostat, and uh, it partially catches the, the uh it catches the smokestack as well on the inside, so I can monitor. I kind of gauge by whatever smoke is coming out according yep. to the temperature on the gauge to know whether I need to get up out of bed and go down to the shop and put wood on the pit or move it around. You know what I mean? Yep. And so um, I had three extra briskets left, and I put them on the outdoor pit along with about six pork butts. And I let those run because I have a wood delivery coming on tomorrow. And I knew that if I could get a lot of my big meat out of the way, that leave me more space on my barbecue pit for uh, ribs. And so I called myself trying to get a little bit of a head start, even though we don't cook more than two days out. But I wanted to get ready so that my big meat, I, I wouldn't have to be in such a frenzy to get this meat smoked real good, soft and tender. Mm -hmm. And I turned my camera on the inside. And so whoever took the barbecue pit, I'm sure that's the first thing they looked at. Where's the camera pointing? Oh, the camera's pointing on the inside. And that gave them an automatic out. Plus, my truck is broke down, and it's sitting right next to the barbecue pit out front. And they had to know that I wasn't there because usually when my truck's there, I'm there. And I would have heard something immediately, which is a blessing because if I would have heard him and I was there, <laughs> uh, buckshots would have been from here to the state fair. So I'm glad that didn't happen because I would have probably been in trouble yeah. the way the law is now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Even if uh, thievery is happening right before your very eyes. Uh, does the cooker sit uh -huh. out in like in general vision or is it you know kind of tucked away? And, and I guess the, the leading question is kind of drawing back to what you had mentioned at the top that there is – a speculatory sense that it might be an inside job. Is it, uh, I mean, well, are these things just like out there or the more that you're adding up, you're like, Hey, what's going on here? No, the pit sits in the parking lot. You know, if I was in Texas, I would be able to pull it around back and put it under a pavilion or something like that yeah. and, and do some other things like that. But I wasn't able to do that. Um, I've only been able to leave it in the parking lot because of the space, uh, that I'm, I only have a little bit of space. And so I'm only, I'm only able to pull the barbecue pit into the front of the restaurant. And we have a one, one chain that wraps around the frame with a regular master padlock. Mm -hmm. And so they, they took a, a Bimmel, uh, whip, whip saw 
with the blade with a with a band blade and they just came and and cut it right off and snatched it and kept going. So why steal a barbecue pit? I mean, I get that it makes delicious food, and I mean, if anything, I just rip open the doors and take what's inside versus the pit itself. Like, what's the motivation there? You think? Well, I think the motivation is because it was because what led me to believe that it was an inside job is because um, they knew I got I got a couple of uh, private phone calls with with no <laughs> numbers attached. <laughs> That's no. Let's go get public. But um, they said that they were. Uh, calling that they had saw the barbecue pit mm. and that they uh, they wanted to know if what would I you know what was there a reward? <laughs> Someone called me mysteriously, and so that just confirmed the fact that I knew that it was an inside job and there was mm. no way that I could track it down. The police have advised me not to run down any leads because if, if I get in, if I get into a chase yeah. and they get into an accident, then I'm going to be held liable. Right. And so same thing, if I pull up and there's 10 guys surrounded by that barbecue pit with chains and belts and guns, then I'm going to have to defend myself. But at the same time, if I follow up on that lead, I'm going to be responsible for whatever action I take. So I've just decided to let the law do the, do the law and I'm just going to do the barbecue, you know? So how is it? hurt or has it it sounds like a weird thing to say but has it helped business at all i mean you get the the bump over the weekend are people showing up and seeing hey what's going on oh by the way i've never been here i'm going to buy some barbecue and are you having trouble meeting any barbecue demand because you're down a cooker um i tell you what we've had an overwhelming support with the community um i had the mayor come out today um i've had people that have all type of backyard barbecue apparatuses (laughs) <laughs> that, you know, uh, you just charge it to their head, not to their heart. Yeah. I can't really use those, um, but I've had some people come out with some monster pits that want ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000, which I don't happen to have lying around anywhere. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so we've had an overwhelming support. I had a guy come up to me and give me a $100 bill, said, this is on your barbecue pit and all your efforts. And so... That's what we are. Uh, that's what we're really enjoying about this. And I already, I already told people on social media and the local media news that we're not going to do a GoFundMe page because I don't want my good to be evil spoken of. You know, I don't want somebody to see me in the store about a twelve pack of beer and and they know that I've gotten three or four thousand dollars on GoFundMe. I don't want nobody to see me rolling craps in the in the in the slot in the casino. And we've just set up a GoFundMe page. But what I did say is that. We would take any type of prayers, and we would take. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to get a local blues band to come out. We're going to put up a twenty by twenty tent in the parking lot, and we're going to charge twenty dollars all you can eat barbecue right uh, right during the time the Cowboys uh, the Cowboys second game, and we're mm-hmm. going to just have barbecue run all weekend long, and we're just going to do it like that. I'd rather people come in and taste my barbecue and support us at the same time rather than take a handout. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And I don't want to, I don't want it to look like I'm trying to capitalize on one of my misfortunes. Although I know people that do that and I have been, it has been suggested to me to run a GoFundMe page, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to put out some local advertisement. We're going to invite the city to come out and share some of the best barbecue in the country as we have been rated and ranked and voted as one of the top 30 barbecue restaurant, best barbecue restaurants in the country. So that's what we want to do rather than just ask for money off the internet. Pepper Morgan, a superhuman being. Talk to me a little bit about 
the barbecue culture in New Mexico? Is there one? What kind of a flavor profile is it? Is it brisket? Is it butts? Does it not really matter as far as what the protein is concerned? What's it like out there? Well, I tell you, the barbecue here, um, everybody seems to be going on the Internet to try to find out how to cook it to begin with. Everybody wants to have a damn Internet thermometer gauge and a, and a, and a $50,000 $50, unit. Yeah. Everybody uh, seems to have the wood profile down and the flavor profile down for the most part. It seems to remind me a little bit about, like, Austin, uh, as far as all the cookers. There's some decent barbecue here, but I tell you what separates my barbecue from everybody else's is that um, I'm doing 100% wood burning barbecue, like you find in Tennessee, Memphis, St. Louis, some parts of Texas. Um, as far as the peppers and stuff like that go, we're not really big into that, and most <coughs> and most places are 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 not doing that either, but. Um, the flavor, the, the the protein part of it is, is that we're the only restaurant uh, from Am, from probably Amarillo to Washington State that's serving burnt-in brisket. Hmm. We serve rib tips, and you can't get rib tips or burnt-ins until you get into Dallas. Just because that's so, not what people normally are asking for, or it's not being provided by well, the purveyor? Well, well, because people are just, uh, they're just more internet-based. They just want the typical meats, and they want to see who's got the best. And they're not, they're not doing stuff like a soul food restaurant would do, like us, you know. We'll braise pork chops, we'll stuff them, we'll deprime, them, and we'll do all kinds of stuff. But as far as the meat's concerned, I know that there's several other styles of uh, meat that we can do, such as the burnt-in brisket, such as the rib tips. And that's what we and that's what we do. That most that all the other barbecue restaurants do not do. And you, you know, you pass up rib tips, or you don't ask. I mean, you're you're missing out. It's one of my favorite things ever is uh, is rib tip sandwich. You had mentioned a exactly. term, uh, soul food. How uh-huh. do, like, how do you define that? What is soul food to you? Well, what soul food is to me is going to be a, a traditional garlic mac and cheese. Uh, you're going to have collard greens. Uh, of course, going to have to have some ham hocks in it, smoked turkey or something like that. Um, we're going to do a less traditional baked bean. Sometimes we're going to do, uh, we're going to run some grits. We're going to run etouffee. And that's going to be all up under the same roof. See, in Texas, where I'm from, and most along the Gulf Coast, when you talk about soul food restaurants, even like Sweetie Pies in St. Louis, they're going to serve barbecue, but they're a soul food restaurant. But for us, because of the demographic and where we're at in Albuquerque, I had to list my barbecue restaurant as a barbecue restaurant first and a soul food restaurant second, because that's what's going to bring the people into the restaurant. So you think if you would have had uh, pepper soul food and barbecue, you would have a less of attraction just because of how one is listed before the other? Exactly. If really? I would have had uh, peppers. Wow. Soul food, and I did this before when I first opened for, for for a whole year. I couldn't get any people in the restaurant. I couldn't get them in with just saying pepper soul food. So then I said peppers barbecue and soul food. Uh, along with the media, people started coming out. You know, we wow. got an Air Force base two blocks away, yeah. and you got people coming from all over the country, primarily from the south and southeast. So they're looking for that profile where you can get, you know, where you can get dirty rice. And, and garlic mac and cheese and sweet potato cornbread rather than the French roll. 
with their ribs and deep fried catfish. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So we're going to throw all that in. You know, we're going to throw all that in. And most people from the South, they're going to say, well, that's what we do. Well, we're not a soul food restaurant, but see, that's what I had to do <laughs> to categorize my restaurant here in Albuquerque because they don't know. You know, there's a taco place every two miles for the whole entire city, you know? So, you know, we, we just had to just kind of think outside of the box a little bit. Pepper Morgan is the owner of Pepper's Barbecue and Soul Food out there in Albuquerque. Down a cooker and some brisket, but certainly not down on the spirit at all. A true barbecue guy there. Pepper, really appreciate the story tonight. Thanks so much for doing it. Hey, no problem, but I sure thank you, and y'all have a great day. You too. There he is. Pepper Morgan. What? Wow. That interview was literally booked at 6.30 Eastern time, and... I don't know in recent memory if we've had a better first-time guest. Holy crap. Pepper bringing it on all sorts of different levels, plus the energy, the knowledge, the confidence. I really appreciated the fact that he's like, hey, man, I'm not going to do this GoFundMe stuff. I dig that. I don't want your handout. Come and buy my food. Support me that way. I dig it. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, curated selections of outdoor grilling and cooking supplies to get you on the better path of barbecue and grilling results in no time. Big Papa Smokers is known for their championship rubs and seasoning, popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners. Looking to improve the flavor of your competition barbecue recipe? Big Papa Smokers has combined forces with the rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form the West Coast offense. That, of course, has cornered the market on competitive barbecue and has forced people to redefine the flavor profile that cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. Big Papa Smokers is also the proud owner of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. Looking for a new go-to sauce that will please everyone, Granny's traditional, yet powerful flavor that reminds us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. Granny's barbecue sauce and other top-rated barbecue sauces are at BigPapaSmokers.com. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out the Mac 2-Star Grill Pellet Cooker. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer for all special packages. Check them out. If you're not a fan of the pellet grills, you can take a look at the old Hickory Ace BP. Or if you're a backyard enthusiast looking for a durable and versatile grill, check out the M Grill from Texas. It's just what you need. Not sure of what grill you need? You really can't go wrong with any of the grills and smokers featured at BigPapaSmokers.com. They have everything for everybody, from the backyard cook to the competition person. Check out their website for their full selection. It's clear that Big Papa's is the place to go for all things barbecue. Every product featured on their website has been hand-selected to help you barbecue better. Boost your barbecue skills with the help of Big Papa Smokers, the number one online barbecue store. Call them 877-828-0727 or shop on their website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. All right, we're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. 
you've never heard this before, you might think you've found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, once again, thanks to Pepper Morgan for joining me this past segment and talking about how his 1,700-pound cooker got shanghai Saturday night into Sunday morning. It was cooking food, briskets and pork butts. But as he said, those malfeasance probably aren't very smart. So you know they're going to be, like, taking it I wonder if they have any idea how on fire this topic is right now. (laughs) I think they don't know where there's smoke, there's fire when it comes to stealing a man's barbecue pit. I could go on and on. Anyway, uh, I have a website that I just took down for no good reason. Hold on. Let me get to my recents. If you want to visit Pepper's Barbecue and Soul Food, you go to peppersoldfashionedbq.com. That's peppersoldfashionedbq.com. By the way, uh, the next Sam's Club Barbecue Tour Series takes place this coming weekend in South Windsor, Connecticut. I mentioned that a little bit ago, but I did want to make that mention again because I had some questions. Uh, of course, you can visit kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour for all of that info. All right. Let's head out all the way back in the first hour. Ray Lampy joined me for the Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. Then we talked with Rick Baker from Alfresco Homes. In the second hour was Rich Robin from Gator Pit talking about his new Gator Pit pellet cooker. I said it. Gator Pit pellet cooker. And then we ended with Pepper Morgan from Pepper's Barbecue and Soul Food. That's peppersoldfashionedbq.com. If you're down in Albuquerque, check them out. Tell them I said hi. All right, big show already lined up for next week. You already know that. September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.